0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dr. Carol Francis. Welcome to Radio. This is Dr. Carol Francis, and welcome to Make Life Happen. We have an exciting show today, different offbeat thoughts that will actually lead you possibly to the exact same place every onbeat path might take you, and that is to your betterment, your health, your release from complications, and the freedom, oh, the wonderful freedom to be yourself. And to help us walk a new path, perhaps toward the same goal, is Dr. Heather Friedman Rivera. Hello, Dr. Heather Friedman Rivera. There Hi.
1: we go.
0: How are you doing today? How are you?
1: She's
0: the author of okay? the Present. I can now. Yes, thank you. She's the author of Healing the Present from the Past, and it is about a personal journey of a past life researcher. Well, Heather, Dr. Friedman Rivera, what do we call you? Dr. Rivera.
1: Dr. What's <laughs> your? I just I go by Dr. Heather is fine. Okay, that's a long name to spit out every
0: time, so I appreciate that. (laughs) Dr. Happy, you're going to walk us through our past. And it isn't just the past of our current life, but the past of, well, we don't know. We don't know if it's the past of our DNA. We don't know if it's the past of human accumulations. We don't know if it's the past of reincarnated bodies. We don't know what it's the past of. We would like to investigate that, but that really isn't the point of your work in looking at past-life research of past-life regression therapy. So tell us first, what was your goal of this book?
1: Well, my study was to actually measure the type and degree of benefits that people experience when they had a past-life experience. And then secondarily was to see if there was any influencers or drivers of that benefit. So I wasn't really looking to see whether reincarnation was real or not, whether they could be just a, a metaphor or um, some kind of psychosomatic type of response. I really want to know whatever the mechanism, did it have a healing effect and what was it or if there's any negative outcomes.
0: So this is about therapeutic interventions using the techniques associated to regression therapy. Is that correct?
1: Yes, but it not only through uh, seeking it out through, like, hypnotherapy, or, but it could also be something like a dream or uh, a deja vu or a psychic. D- did that have any effect on you today?
0: Okay. So as we begin our journey, listeners, it, it, individuals have been doing regression psychotherapy for a very long time, even when Freud was around. Uh, who was kind of like a father of psychotherapy, of psychoanalysis, he would take people into their past and find that in going into their past, having memories that were buried, memories that were incomplete, or memories that were still having a lot of emotional impact, going back there, rediscovering them, digging them up, reworking them, creating an emotional catharsis, actually relieved people of burdens, complications, psychosomatic symptoms, physical symptoms, as well as freedom to be able to have better intimacy and relationships of that sort. This became so actually cornerstone to people getting better. So you're here listening to the show because no doubt you're interested, intrigued, but also would like to have a better life. So the idea of being able to use regression therapy is not new. But this is regression therapy into an experience that is associated to what how do we describe this Dr. Heather?
1: this is re- regarding a, a life before this lifetime, so in just regression therapy, and may be going into a lifetime you know earlier in your own childhood, but I'm looking at whether something in the past, your past life has affected you today so let's say that for instance, you have a, a I have a fear of bees. And I don't know why because I haven't been stung, but I have this irrational fear of bees. And, the, and the, I pose the question to myself, was it something in a past life that may have triggered this fear? And if I had that past life into that experience, just by remembering it, would that have any effect on me today? Would I uh, overcome my fear of bees? And I have had healings personally from that in other areas. And so that's what we were looking at. But I also I saw a lot of the media talking about how anecdotes and case studies about how healing it was for physical issues and for fears and phobias, but I hadn't seen a lot of studies done on it. And so this is what I was going to focus on.
0: Beautiful. And then you walk us right into one of the key questions. You have attempted to empiricize the validity or the usefulness of this type of treatment. And that's not an easy thing to do when it enters into such a controversial uh, area or systems of belief for some people or a violation of reality for other people. And in a scientific community, really tough to sit there and say visiting past lives is going to have an impact, uh, a quantifiable positive impact on people's lives. But that's how you've done it. So before we go any farther with what the therapy is, can you describe the empirical evidence that this has validity? It is verifiably a worthwhile endeavor to participate in this type of treatment for some extended period of time. What, what's the empirical data, data you collected?
1: Uh, let me say the last statement. I go, I am hearing impaired, so I missed your last statement.
0: <laughs> there you go. And that's another, oh, that's another whole part of you. But We're going to ask more about yourself later on. But yes, what is the empirical data, the research study that you did that pulled a number of variables, a number of factors that demonstrated that this really causes people's lives to be different?
1: Right. Well, to date, we um, we actually put an a Internet survey and launched it uh, in January of 2011, and to date, we have collected 280 surveys from all around the world, all different countries, religions, uh, races, ages. And we have found that almost 78% of the people that have it, as a direct result of their past life experience, say that death no longer holds as much fear for me. So that's the biggest finding that we've found from this study. The other thing mm-hmm. that you hear about in the media that were exciting for the media or things like physical healing. So according to our study, which I thought was interesting, 22% of the overall population experienced a physical healing when they weren't really seeking anything. Maybe they were going for curiosity like I did. Um, hmm. So fascinatingly, if you were seeking out a physical healing of those people did receive that physical healing. So that's partially, they did receive it. So they were seeking uh, uh, healing for back pain, and they went into a past life session. They did receive 80% of them, which makes me think that, I don't know if that's somehow a little bit of a placebo effect, but I'm not sure, you know, but overall 22% um, did get physical healing, 33% uh, lost a fear of phobia, and forty three percent had a spiritual healing. Now, what I wanted to also know is were there any negative outcomes, and three percent only three percent experienced a negative outcome from their past life experience, which is quite low oh these
0: yeah, these statistics um, are very profound i'm sorry go ahead these 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 findings are very profound. you have variables such as an increase and improved sense of identity. A more sense of positive or meaningful perspective on life, feeling more connected with the universe, a greater sense of purposefulness uh, broadening their perspectives on re, on their on their spiritual it, it, their spiritual religious views, a greater sense of peace or contentment in life which must have everything to do with anxiety and depression better self- esteem better self confidence I mean the list goes on that's just half of the list that you have in your in your book. Again, the book is called Healing the Present from the Past. Yes, what were you going to say?
1: Well, we had, we picked 25 different statements that we felt covered the gamut of types of healing that we've seen reported, or I had experienced, or I read about. And then we had them measure it from one to seven, one being strongly disagree and seven being strongly agree. And then that's how we were able to um, come up with these statistics. We came up, we're at a 90% confidence level. There's 5% on either side um, on those findings. But the more surveys that we get in, we can make the result a little more solid, close the gap a little bit.
0: Can the listeners participate in the survey?
1: They can go to our website, it's plrinstitute.org, or if you want to go straight to the survey, it's pastlifesurvey.org. And if you've had a past life experience, then you can just take the survey. It's completely confidential. I don't know who takes it. Um, and then we do have another study that came out in January of this year, and you would have to sign up for that one.
0: Okay, and that is that also related to past life regression?
1: Yes, it's a little bit different. Um, it actually consists of four different phases, including like a Myers-Briggs type indicator, a young typology test, uh, political spe- spectrum test, an aptitude test. And then in the phase four, there's actually an MP3 that you listen to in your own home, a regression, and then you report back. So it's a little bit oh, different that, study.
0: Oh, that sounds wonderful. Okay, so listeners, you have to appreciate on some level there's now not only anecdotal or narratives or personal case histories of individuals really enjoying the benefit of past life regressions, but now there is a beginning of being able to look at the statistical ramifications, the empirical ramifications of going through a past life regression type therapy work. Now one thing that was interesting, Dr. Heather, was that a certain number of sessions of past life regression or a certain number of past life experiences seem to be optimal. Can you talk about how many times an individual needs to go through the endeavor of a past life regression to begin to really note these significant outcomes?
1: Yes. Well, that was the second part of our study, was looking for drivers or influencers of this benefit. So, for instance, when we looked at number experiences, which is actually the largest driver of benefit, One to two experiences, you do get benefit, but not as much as three to seven. Three to seven is the optimal amount. And then at eight or more, it just seems to level off. It's not that it's not beneficial. It doesn't drop off. It just kind of levels off. So it seems to be at three to seven. Now, this out of 260, that was the last time we ran a data run, and um, we currently have 280. We'll probably run it again at 300.
0: Okay. Wonderful.
1: we also did a couple other, uh, looked at other demographics, because we asked demographic questions, your age, your re- religious upbringing, um, the c- country you came from, your uh, how many past life experiences you've had, things like that, and we looked at other drivers, how vivid the experience was, what prompted you, and so we were able to measure that and see what other drivers were had influence over the benefits.
0: Um, And the most significant driver
1: was what? Number of experiences and then followed by prompting. What prompted the person to have a past life experience? So most people were curious, like me. Um, The next one were like memory and dreams. But people that had a personal issue or searching for purpose in their life or had a physical issue, they received actually more benefit than people that were just merely curious went for entertainment.
0: Okay. Uh, And and that kind of fits with any sort of therapy. People who come in with a purpose are more able to measure the success of the interventions that they implement because they have such a clear set of goals to measure it by. However, you did find that people who just came in for curiosity's sake had a better outcome on what variable.
1: Oh, are you referring to the impersonal investigators?
0: Yes, we had exactly. These, we had
1: this group called impersonal in, in, in investigators, and these are people that were maybe hostile or did it on a dare or are completely skeptics and did not okay. want to do pathways. And so they, well, they all experienced benefit just like the rest of the group. However, in the area of my religious views or perspectives have widened, they experienced more benefit than anyone else which I thought was really interesting. And they had a little bit more of a negative outcome, too.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So for the most part, since you only have a 3% uh, possibility of a negative outcome as the statistics are now, 97% of the individuals doing this are likely to benefit on one variable at least, if not a whole list of significant variables. and. Again, you're going to be able to find out more about WAFA research. Dr. Heather Friedman Rivera talks about uh in the book called Healing the Present from the Past. And that can be ordered through where, Dr. Heather?
1: Amazon.com and BarnesNoble.com and Babal Press.
0: Okay, and again, people can participate in the survey on what sites?
1: They can go to PastLifesurvey.org.
0: Okay, very good. Now we're going to move into an entirely different aspect of what's going on. A very personal experience led you, Dr. Heather, into actually seeing that this has more validity. And can you address the past life experiences that you shared that really did pivotally change your life? Which ones do you want to start with? <laughs>
1: yeah, it did change my life. My whole course has changed since this one experience. Um, I, I'm a registered nurse, and I also have a doctorate in law. And I got my doctorate in law because I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And it was progressing really fast, and my rheumatologist thought I'd be crippled in about five years. He said I had 80% chance of, of being completely crippled. So I went back to school to get my law degree. I thought, well, at least I can do that. So I was researching different alternative treatments because I could not just, I had to have some kind of control of my life. I felt like it was spinning out of control. I started looking into different complementary treatments and trying things on myself. I tried uh, Tai Chi, which actually exacerbated the problem, and biofeedback, and a bunch of different healing modalities. And I started taking these courses at the American Institute of Holistic Theology, and really it was all just selfish, I just wanted to get better. And in my master's course there was a, a class on hypnotherapy and it had a very small session section on past life regression therapy and it was the first time I ever heard of it. I never considered it and I thought, well this is just crazy. So I went for entertainment. I had the same thought as if I was going down a carnival boardwalk and went to a palm readers. I I just thought, well it'll be an afternoon of fun. And rheumatoid happens to affect all of my joints. Um, I lost a lot of my hearing because there's little joints in the ears, and it affected my larynx. There's a joint there, and I and I spoke in a whisper most days. And of course, my sternum was affected. And so when I went to see this CASI um, therapist, I had no voice like I did in most days, and um, she did not know what my issues are. And she took me into uh, a progressive relaxation where uh, she had me relax all my muscles and go down the stairs and then go into a, a garden. And she said, in this garden, there's a library. And in the library, there's a section of books and it has your name on it. And I felt like this, they said Heather on them. And she said, one book will call to you. And I pulled this book out of my imaginary library shelf and sat down at the table, and she said, "Now just turn the pages, and one page will call to you." And on the right side of this page, as I was turning him, there was a picture of a knight, and he was had a white horse kneeling before him, and he was wearing armor, and he had a shield with the heraldry on it, and I could see it very clearly. And the next thing you know, I whooshed into the knight's body, and I'm getting chills talking about this. It always works now. Um, And all of a sudden, I was very startled because this was my first experience like this. I could feel everything the knight was feeling and thinking. And I could feel the armor and the dampness of the environment that he was in and the hunger and his sense of duty. And I was thinking, this is so strange. I can have two thoughts at once, mine and the knight's. And she said, well, let's progress a little further in this next significant event in that life's lifetime. And the next thing I know, I'm on a battlefield on foot. And I thought to myself, well, I should not be on my horse like I see in the movies, but no, I'm on foot. And um, she says, I'm in battle all of a sudden, and suddenly I'm stabbed in the throat. And I start choking and gagging in her office like I'm choking on the blood in his lifetime. And I'm lying on this green lawn um, and looking up this gray sky and taking my final breath, and I finally die. And I come out of the body, and I'm very emotional. and, And she says, well, look at it as if it's on a screen, like you're in a movie theater. But I was so caught up in him, I couldn't leave him. I came out of this body, and I had my first spiritual experience in my life. And the, I became huge and expansive, and I felt connected to everybody, and I had this this immense love and peace, and I felt like I could just stay in that place forever. So she calls me back, Heather, and I come back into Heather's body here in the, the office, Brings me out of hypnosis, and I said, "Oh my God, Donna, that was amazing!" And I said it with the voice I'm talking to you now. My voice came back from that experience. And I thought, "Well, that's just kind of a fluke. That's weird." I had me being stabbed in the throat healed my vocal problems? So the next day, I answer the phone and I have a voice. And the next day, and the next day, and it never—I've never lost my voice again. But it also wow. restructured my whole life how I thought about people, life, death, karma. Never had thought about these things, and my whole life was restructured from that experience. How did this affect
0: your rheumatoid arthritis?
1: Well, my rheumatoid, <laughs> I i had no, uh, I didn't think it affected my rheumatoid until maybe two, three months ago when my rheumatologist said, I don't know how to explain it, but I don't know if you have rheumatoid anymore. So we're actually um, going yeah. off medication. So um, <laughs> it's kind of a 17 years of this disease and I don't think I have it anymore, which is just shocking to me still. haven't really oh, processed that
0: yet. <laughs> so Wow. Well, Heather, you know, your ability to be empirical on one moment and emotional and deep and spiritual on another moment is just beautiful because it's at all different levels Simultaneously functioning, and I think that's the way we need to integrate ourselves around these type of euphoric, but ephemeral. They're not grounded in objectivity, and they're not grounded in something we can measure under a microscope, et cetera, et cetera. They are subjective experiences that now, with the increasing Collection of everybody 's subjective experiences along those lines, we began to realize that there's something objectively going on within the context of these subjective experiences. So here you are emotional and you're 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 intellectually sophisticated you're you're empiricizing something, and then your body deeply deeply profoundly responds to this process so if we pull back a little bit from the experience and move into how did you think that this is because people are healed by narratives like the narrative therapy do you think this is because people are healed by their imagination do you think this is because people are healed by a shift in the DNA historically that we have collected from humankind from our history do you have any hypotheses about why or what is occurring inside of people when this goes on
1: no, well, I, I think about it all the time, but I don't really know. I mean, all I can do is present the numbers and let people make a decision on whether they think it's going to work. I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of, uh, of we're so we're so hard, hardwired for story, and maybe that helps us. Or if it is just a placebo or a psychosomatic healing or whatever, I don't think it really matters because as long mm-hmm. as I got the healing, I'm, I'm really happy. So, yeah but it is interesting to think about. I'm not really i personally my belief that I tried you know in my data I, I pull away from it i don't i don't look at that whether reincarnation is real or not for me personally, it is I believe I was at night and all the other people I've experienced, and I believe that it's been sitting there repressed and needs to come up. Like when you work with dreams, sometimes just writing the dream out heals it. So I think the, the act of remembering it or letting it come up helps to heal.
0: Right. I had uh, I knew I was going to be doing an interview with you today, so I did a, a few mini past life regressions. We're going to help people go through a past life regression right now if you're up for it. Is that okay, Dr. Heather?
1: I I don't do past life regressions. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm okay. sorry. I, I'm gonna I I I stay <laughs> with research and with writing. I have a board, and they they do private sessions.
0: Oh, that's okay. Very good. I want the listeners to be able to at least experience a mini uh, version of this, so they kind of know some of what they might experience on the people that are on your board. Um when I walk people through past life regressions in my office sometimes they have no belief system that will support it and it doesn't really matter because you can still go back into the narrative and I'm struck that when the narrative is visited they do come out of the narrative or the hypnotic process or the trance or the imagery or the deep relaxation with an aha invariably I would say a hundred percent of the time, Heather, they have an aha, a discovery, something that impacts them, goes deep inside them, stirs them emotionally, mentally, uh, existentially, and that aha cr- starts creating the catalysts that take them on a different path of what is going to heal them or help them along the route. So it's uh, it's it's a profound process that people can go through. So. This week, since I knew I was going to do this with you, I just decided to take an issue. I had sixty seconds. So I'm experienced in being able to go, you know, go into a trance, go for the visitation to a past life. And I went and I had this sixty second experience and I went, Oh my goodness, as I popped out of it and it has impacted my whole week. It lifted this burden off my shoulder that was completely beyond my conscious ability to use my imagination, because I visited a situation that seems so completely not germane to the me that I am now, and suddenly I have a handle on that thing, that part of me that before I never even had a sense existed or wasn't was even part of something in me. Do you want to say something about that?
1: You know what's interesting is uh, uh, regarding the imagination, whether you're really imagining it. Remember, I was saying that I was surprised that I was on foot in the battle scene as a knight. I thought I should be on the horse. And My husband, Mark, who is a physicist who did the data analysis for our study, he gave me a book recently on knights. And it says, contrary to popular belief, knights dismounted their horse before going into battle. <laughs> So wow. even if I was imagining, once I imagine what I thought it should be and not have to question it in my head, which added to the validity to me. Yes. But, you know, you and can I have want, past uh-huh. life sessions from watching your dreams, meditating, writing, um, doing a meditative writing. There's a lot of different ways that people do not want to do hypnotherapy. So.
0: Do you want to describe more about that?
1: There's um, Well, there's a, a a process where you just go ahead and relax deeply and do some free writing, and then you can go into a past life that way or watch your dreams or look at things. Uh, Denise Lynn in her book, uh, Past Life, Present Miracles. She has like a past life checklist because some people are very uncomfortable with hypnosis, and they may not want to. Uh, they feel like they're going to lose control or they feel like they can't relax so there's other methods to be able to go ahead and access that part, looking at what style of art you pick, what kind of books you read, what you're drawn to, music, and then start tapping into it that way. Or some people just go to places like uh, you go to a foreign country and all of a sudden you know the language and you know where things are and the directions and you can have that kind of experience too.
0: Well, Heather, do you mind if I take the listeners through a six-minute process that might help them tap into some aspects of this? Now, listeners, um, you can go through a training in this process that might take you several hours or a whole-day seminar. And in fact, Dr. Heather, don't you have a seminar coming up that addresses
1: this? I missed that. I'm sorry.
0: Don't you have a seminar or a conference that addresses Past life regression where they can actually experience a past life regression?
1: Yes. We have a conference of uh it's our fall retreat coming up November first through third is Casa de Ria in Santa Barbara. It's a whole weekend full of past life specialists, hypnotherapy and past life regressions all weekend meditation, wine tasting, writing workshops, dream workshops and um, includes your your all your meals and your accommodations. It's a It's a great, we got some really great people. Dr. Adrian Finkelstein, who's a former UCLA psychiatry professor. He wrote Marilyn Monroe Returns, and by Love Reclaims, he'll be coming to speak. And the vice president of the International Association of Regressional Research and Therapies, Dr. Charles Knoll will be coming. Uh, Dr. Walter Jacobson, who also trained at Omega with me. I trained at Omega with Dr. Brian Weiss and a lot of the people that train with me will be there at this retreat, too. Oh,
0: that sounds fantastic. How do they get in touch with you in terms of being able to sign up for that?
1: Um, Then go to plrinstitute.org and all the information, the registration, the information are all about the speakers. You can always contact me. I'm Dr. Heather at plrinstitute.org. PLR is Center Past Life Research Institute. And um, Or my phone number, I'm 714-580-8803 if anyone needs to talk about what's going on. or You know, on my website, I forgot to mention, if someone's had a past life experience and maybe they don't want to take the survey or maybe they do too, they can tell their story on our site and um, we have a lot of stories from people. Well, Heather, right now,
0: let's go into a past life regression opportunity for the next six minutes. Let's just all do it together. And then individuals can contact you on the website and write down what their experiences were. Be mindful, everybody that's listening, that over the next six minutes, to not be driving, to be relaxing. Also realize that some of you may not experience the depth of past life regression that Dr. Heather is discussing. However, nonetheless, take time, just a little bit of time to relax, a little bit of music in the background to help you be able to do so. If you'll close your eyes and just allow your body to go a little bit limp and then a little bit limper and a little bit limper, just relaxing and being at ease, and you'll be able to talk to or listen to Dr. Heather talk more about past life regressions at the end of this. But now, if you can just set aside your questions and your thoughts, your quandaries, even your skepticisms, which are always healthy and helpful, actually, to keep us as honest with ourselves and others as we possibly can be. And that's what Dr. Heather is talking about. But for now, put aside any of those skepticisms or doubts and just allow yourself to relax enjoy. Go on a mental, emotional exploration. What I'd like you to do is to take yourself down an imaginary path. And on that path, you can be aware of the smells of the flowers, the feeling of the wind against your face, the sensation of pressure on your feet as you either walk on cobble wood, leaves. And as you're going down that path, look ahead a little bit and you'll see a beautiful cottage. It's wonderful. And you walk up into the cottage. It's open. It's inviting. It says, visitors welcome. Come on in. There's a tray of freshly cooked cookies, brownies, good glass of milk or juice. It's been a hot weather day. Nice to be refreshed. And you just enjoy the smell, the aroma the taste of the food. And when you're done, you look down this hall, and this hall has so many different doors on it. We are amused. There are different colors, different shapes, different wood. One of those doors seems particularly intriguing to you. So you walk up to that door, and there you are, and face the face of that door. So why not decide that this might be your visit into some sort of past life moment? Whether through your imagination or reality, it doesn't matter at this moment. So you look down at the doorknob and know that this is going to be a comfortable space, enriching experience, something full of of, of events that might be of intrigue to you. Open the doorknob. Take a step in. As you take a step in, look down at your feet as you close the door. I notice that the feet, your feet, have very different apparel on them. Now look around at the floor and what textures are materials you're on the floor. Now look up, and what do you see around you? Take a few steps into the environment. Are you out in nature? Are you inside of an edifice? Where are you at? Walk around and look. Be at peace while you explore and allow yourself to be curious about what's going on. Take in the sights, the people, the sounds,
1: the events,
0: and for a moment, watch your own emotional reaction what it is you see and experience, know, feel, touch, and notice. Now, if there are people, you might take a moment and just say, hmm, who are they to me? And let your imagination be spontaneous, just wandering freely as to what this may mean about you and who you are in this moment. If there are no people around you, but nonetheless you're experiencing some sort of situation, circumstance. Look around and ask yourself questions. Well, who am I in this situation? What do I do in this situation? How old am I? What gender am I? What is my function here? What is, what is this presence all about? And if you can move even farther and out into your environment, move around like a curious visitor and see what you can see and touch and smell what you can experience. Enjoy and relax Be curious. Now, in the process of all that, we would normally take more time. No question, this is a short moment for you just to dip your toe into an experience. And now, decide that it's time to just turn around, come back into that original space, move toward the doorknob, and notice that when you see this side of the doorknob, that you know what's on the other side. There's a hall. There's a cottage. Go ahead and open up that doorknob. Walk into the hall. Return to your relaxed state of imagination. Return walking down the hall, smelling the remnants of the cookies of the juice. Walk outside and see the beauty of nature surrounding you, a sense of peacefulness and relaxation. And now as you continue to go along that path, return to the original spot of your imagination and now back into your body. And now into your body, you can begin to stretch, wake, yawn, and just take this moment as just a little, little moment that might have had some insight for you, some experience for you, that's worthy of you writing down maybe 60 seconds and wondering what is pertinence of that event, that imagination, to questions, quandaries, or wonderments I have in my current life. So welcome back. Welcome very much back to the program of Dr. Heather well, Dr. Heather, in in being able to help people realize the validity of past life aggressions, there were other people in your survey that shared very intimate stories and improvements. What are some of those stories that you can share with the listeners?
1: Oh, yeah, we had a, Charles Gustafson shared a story where he had a, an experience with in Native American culture. Now, Charles Gustafson also trained at Omega with me. I met him in New York, and actually he lives close to me here, and he joined our board. But he related just a beautiful story about being in connection and communion with, with nature and how the community of the Native Americans worked together. And if everyone if one was hungry, all were hungry. If one was sick, they all cared for each other. And it wasn't as if they had individual families, but it was just all one large family. And he talked about this piece and this connection there. And it was such a beautiful story that I put that in there. My husband, Mark, is a physicist, and he's very analytical, and told me that I'm not going to do this past life. I don't want to do it. I'll support you, but I'm not not really interested in it. This, but I would um, talk to him about if He would go to my groups we would have people practice and he had an experience where he was a a viking and he was so surprised at how vivid it was the wax on his ear, the the hunger in his stomach, the digging in the cold sand and um, since that experience he's had I don't know eight or nine other experiences which was uh, interesting and they're very vivid for him. So uh, when people talk about the experiences with uh, Nazi Germany and um, a lot of traumatic things, but I was also trying to put in some, uh, not some emotionally charged experiences and there. It doesn't always have to be an emotionally charged experience. You can just go for what I call like a tourism or past-life recreational session, you know.
0: Just, just exploring the possibilities. Um, what were some stories about how past life regressions help with phobias?
1: How it phobias? Gets rid
0: of phobia? Yeah, phobias and fears and anxieties that are, that you mentioned the bees. Yeah. But How? Mm-hmm. What are some stories along those lines?
1: Well, you know, I, I can talk about my personal experience. I had this, I went to see Dr. Brian Weiss. I was so excited. So I'm going to see Dr. Weiss. I was starstruck. And I'm going to have a new past life experience with him. And it was pretty just bland, unemotional. I had this experience where <laughs> I was in a tribe, and like an early man, and I was, I dishonored the tribe. And so I walked over to Clifton, and I just threw myself over. And I thought, well, this is just a waste of time. <laughs> but I <laughs> All my life, I've had this weird compulsion. I guess it's a fear. I get to a high place, and I hold on for dear life because I'm afraid I'm going to hurl my body over. Not that I'm, like, suicidal, but I, I don't trust myself not to hurl myself over the edge. So I could never go to a high place without just white knuckling it. And after that experience, I didn't think anything of it. But we went to New York, and I went to the top of the rock, and I went up there, and it was empty, because I went first thing in the morning, I walked all over the whole place, didn't think of anything of it, took in all the sights, and it wasn't until a few months later, I'm talking to Mark about my experience at Top of the Rock, how cool it was, and I thought, wait a minute, I didn't hold on. In fact, I wasn't afraid. What, What happened? So I thought, was it that bland experience, just remembering me throwing myself off a cliff as an early man, did that fix this? fear or phobia I had of high places. We went to Grand Canyon. Um, it was fine. So this May was interesting because we went to Capsulano Suspension Bridge, and it had this thing called Fear's Balcony. It's this glass platform over the cliff, and you stand there, and are you brave enough to go on Fear's Balcony? And so I wondered, well, it's been years. Do I, am I still okay with high places? Walk out there, no fear at all. It was so amazing not to feel any tension in my body anywhere. There was nothing. It was just completely calm. And so I know by the study that it said that the benefits do not diminish with time, but seeing it firsthand really was proof for me.
0: Wow. That is, that's interesting that we have such a subtle, subtle awareness in your experience with Dr. Weiss and 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 still such a profound implication for your everyday life. It, it, right. You know, also, I, we can. Originally,
1: speak- I'm sorry. I really thought no. that it was the emotional impact that helped heal you—the cathartic emotional impact of the experience that helped heal you. But that was a totally non-emotional, boring experience. I thought, and it had a, a lasting impact on me later on.
0: That is fascinating. So, so do you? think that if an individual were to do eight past life regressions um, that were, you know, significant, I guess, I don't know if it matters if it's significant or not now that you've said this, but eight memorable past life regression sessions, that that's sufficient or um what do you, what are you saying about the length of time involvement here? I,
1: I know I yeah, I don't know. I mean I, I see that it says three to seven on there. Now I've had maybe sixteen experiences and I get benefit each time, but I don't think it's just um the first few times it was it was new and it and it and it fixed large issues in my life and now now it's more um interesting and it and, and, and subtle changes and fine-tuning it's more of fine-tuning is the best word i could use so the that's first one which was, was just crazy my life has changed in the second third fourth but i got two and now it's just all fine-tuning so.
0: that's interesting now i've done a lot of past life regression but very experimental i was uh I was intrigued. I thought it was, an, I, I think I, as an experimenter in life, want to know what's going on, whether I believe it or not, not even relevant. And um, it, it has become such a natural part of many different types of interventions I do quickly. And then to be able to just go in there, discover something, come out, and then have such a, a quick kind of change, it, it it, it reminds you of the experience that you have to be open, or do you? Because you're saying that skeptics are not the least bit open, right? And they come back with that profound moment.
1: Yes. There was a, uh, a show that about a police officer that went in as a dare, and he had a had an experience, and it totally changed his life. He wrote a book on it. And it just showed that over and over again, these people that were hostile, they were going to write articles about it disproving the validity of uh, past life regression therapy, and then change their careers afterwards. So it didn't matter if you were a skeptic or a believer. It didn't matter if you were a male or female, what religion you were. If it was going to work, it was going to work. You know, we found that, that your age and your gender and your religious upbringing do not a significantly affect the benefits at
0: all. Fascinating. What are some other narratives that stand out that you just want to make sure the listeners consider that they that they know that this is this warrants them further investigating, further experiencing.
1: Well, I had um, recently in a group session this uh, young man that's been suffering with asthma his entire life. And he came in for curiosity through a group uh, regression and um, remembered a life where he was on a a sailor, and then he went in and drowned. And he said that after that experience, his asthma has not come back. And that was pretty profound. And in that same group, we had someone who was having chronic migraines, and she remembered being hung. And she wrote me that says she hasn't had any migraines since that time too. So mm-hmm. it's just it's over and over again. But then also there's just things like they they're so moved by it at first and then the skeptical part of them starts analyzing and it says, Well let me look up and verify, was this real? I have to know if it's real. If it's real, then I'll believe it. So they'll look for certain things, like this one lady was looking. She said, I was wearing these clogs, and I don't think they were clogs in that country. And she Googled it when she got home, and sure enough, they did. And she said, okay, I feel better. As time Mm -hmm. has gone on, I realize it's not really whether you can verify, although I did the same thing. But it's how it affects you today. And I honestly believe the biggest lesson from all of this is learning to be completely authentic in the person you are now. All mm-hmm. those people, all the people you used to be are standing up behind you to let you be completely present in your body that you have decided to pick for this lifetime. That's what I think is the real message of this, is I really started to appreciate being Heather for the first time since this is what has taught me the most.
0: Wow. So you do have a profound sense of what this is all about. You're saying that it feels like all these people are coalescing, that they accumulate, to they support you
1: in this right. life.
0: That's a, How did you walk your way into that perspective?
1: Um, much meditation and writing on this. You know, I'm thinking that the night is still in me and the little girl that was behind the rock that was grieving for her father dying, and all those people that had been before, they're all in me, and they're all saying, this is who you should be now. Honor who you are now. I feel like when I was in my life between life, in between life stage, after I died from the night, and I got this glimpse that I picked Heather, and the only way to honor what I thought was right for me is to live as Heather, So each day, live as Heather would live, not as the night would live or anyone else or who I think I want to be or who I think I should be. But really feel it through Heather, her emotions, her thoughts. Because I'm not really Heather. I'm an awareness larger than that, I believe. And I feel as if I sit in the back of Heather's head watching how she's going to respond to this or that. So that's what I feel that I'm supposed to do now which is the first time because my whole life I don't think I was satisfied with who I am. If I can only get this degree or if I can only do that, I'll feel okay about myself. You know, I'm not okay until I do this. And if I got this, I thought, it's not really enough. That was easy. You know, you didn't really challenge yourself. Wow.
0: Wow. Okay, so people (sighs) walk into my office with anxiety. They walk in the office with of depression, a sense of purposelessness, a sense of confusion about what life's all about, a sense of devastation because of circumstances in their life that are beyond their control, that are quite upsetting, or circumstances that they have to respond to and be courageous when they don't feel it, or be, um, or, or face death. Um, people come in with a fear of dying in all sorts of different forms and variations from flying to driving cars on overpasses to bees to snakes. Uh, mm-hmm. So you are suggesting that this ex- these experiences are very specifically addressed by past life regression therapy.
1: Yes, I do believe so. I noticed that my fear of death went away immediately after my experience. I had been the night. I'd been all these other people. I'm here now. I'll probably be here again. I'm just... And I noticed that it happens over and over again, people with different issues. And I I mentioned that people that were searching for purpose did get a lot of benefits. In fact, most of the benefits are not in the objective things or in very subjective areas, like your thoughts and your feelings, your perception, are what are really touched on by past life therapy, not so much the objective things we talked about, like the physical or the fears and phobias.
0: It, I think that the most profound one that you statistically say is that people's fear of death was more profoundly greeted by people as being remedied or being lessened, significantly lessened. Do you have any stories about that that are outside yours or that that are specific to you?
1: No, I, I had a lot of quotes inside the book about different people's little quotes about they no longer fear death and... Um, I noticed that that was my biggest, 78% said that they have, they said it removed my fear of death. I was just attempting to discover why I had an irrational fear of death and dying. And I was taken back to experience where I was shot in, during the war as a teenager and I wanted to live for much longer. And it released the fear of my dying. So this is what people wrote over and over again, that they. this is what they said to happen with them. Um the next thing was uh, I forget, but the next one was the next most significant response was uh, um, my views of life and death have changed for the better, so that was um they have a energy what were some
0: stories along those lines? I'm sorry, what were some stories along those lines that my 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 experience of life has just improved for the better. my sense of life and worthwhileness has improved for the better.' You have any stories that specifically stand out in terms of that?
1: The probably my biggest story uh, is this one person that had uh, gone in as a skeptic, had uh, was in journalism, and her spiritual experience from this thing shifted her. Enough that she had to, she changed her whole career. She went back to school and got a, a PhD in transpersonal psychology, and she focused on past life progression therapy. A lot of people have talked about having improved communication with the family or improving karmic things, that they were having issues with their mom, and then they realized that they had hurt their mom in their past life, and now they understand so they have better communication with them. Um, I think that's all I can think of right now. There's
0: so many things in my chat. You, you have uh, on page 83 in your book, you have a number of people, professionals, that you quote from all sorts of different professional walks of life. So Dr. Edith Frior, uh, the author of You Have Been Here Before, she says, actually, whether the former lifetimes that are relived, are fantasies, or actual experiences lived in bygone era, does not matter to me as a therapist. Getting results is important. Or the name right. Dennis Lynn in Past Lives, Present Miracles, when a person's life transformed as a result of witnessing images that emerged during deep meditation, healing has occurred. It's not important if those images are true, past lives or not, the significant lies and the advantages you receive while exploring their meanings. So that's kind of the work that's done both during and after the past life regression, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, I know
1: mm-hmm. I, I talked to people. They said they actually have to take time off work, which is what I had to do, because everything, their foundation has just been shook up. Their whole their whole mm-hmm. idea of what their life was about and life and death and relationships and connection has been shook up from this experience. Mm-hmm. Yet they're almost a restructuring. You, you mentioned
0: the with, power of that in your own life that 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 yeah. suddenly your whole paradigm of life and who you were and what the struggles were all about completely changed.
1: It, uh, I took time off work. I could not go back to. I still work as a registered nurse, and I, I could not go back to work for a few days. I had to just sit on the beach and meditate and and figure this out, and mm-hmm. you know, and I've it, never it, been the same. Did people in your life
0: notice a difference who were a little bit distant from you? Uh, You know, not so close that you would go and you would immediately tell them, but close enough that they would know that there's a real shift. Did they begin to go, did you notice this about you? You're different this way. Did you begin to have that kind of feedback?
1: Well, I believe they did, but they knew what I was doing. although some people um, just think I'm doing woo-woo work and and okay, she just, being hairy-fairy, new-agey, I guess, and
0: I right. don't take seriously.
1: <laughs> but my son, um, my eldest son does say that he appreciates my, we're more connected and we have an increased in communication because I used to keep things stuck down. And so now we, I write a lot more to him and we talk about things. And so he's really noticed an improvement that he tells me he appreciates it, although he's not really into the past-life thing. They
0: tolerate. Oh, has he, Oh, that's interesting. Has he ever um, acquiesced to trying to experience it? I'm sorry. Has he ever? Has he ever said, "Okay, I want to experience this"?
1: No, no, not my kids. No, no, no. Uh, it was hard enough to get my husband to experience. So my kids, and you know, there's a certain amount of bravery that that comes with this. You need. Know, I mean, I'm, I'm working in past lives. See. Yeah, I had to come to a place where I could own it and just say what I yeah. do. You know, most people are fine with it and some people are not so fine with it. Oh,
0: absolutely. But
1: I, I have actually more friends and really close friendships now than I've ever had my whole entire life. And mm-hmm. I think it's because of the fact that I feel really open and I feel like I want to connect with people. You know, heart to heart. So maybe
0: they picked that up. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Having met you many times, I feel the presence of your heart. Uh, Folks, there's another interview with Dr. Heather Friedman-Rivera on my my site, and you're welcome to look into that. And that's when she was being interviewed at the International Hypnosis Federation in 2011 it was, and we'll be having interviews again. You know, Heather, your whole uh, statement that people – call this food for ridiculous or, oh my goodness, not another one of the California New Age things going on. You know, there's merit in that epicism. There truly is merit because there's so many charlatans or crazy sorts of interventions and people get rich off of of, of wooing people into believing these sorts of things. And so I love that people are skeptical. I am an inborn skeptic. I was raised in the scientific community around scientists that were hardcore nuclear physicists and people that were involved in, the, you know, the Manhattan Project, et cetera, et cetera. So I was raised around really objectifying big thinkers. What's so interesting about these objectifying big thinkers is that it's their creative side that will go beyond, go to the out-of-the-box experiences or perceptions that actually are the ones that create the big amazing changes in, in in our understanding of science itself, our, our whole movement in quantum physics, or even GE using the HIV virus to cure cancer, which just was announced on Saturday. So it's like it, it's an out-of-the-box experiences that you need to be able to advance, not be afraid of, but go for them. Be skeptical, but also be Open to the process of experiencing it. So, Heather, Doctor Heather, that's why I wanted you to verify the empirical aspects of past life regressions first, because I think we need to address the skeptical side, and then we can move to the subjective side with a little bit more bravery. <laughs> a bit more, okay, I'll walk into this. <laughs> you, Sorry. you, t- tell us a little bit about who you are as a scientist, who you are as a researcher. Who you are as an academician? Ak-
1: no, um, I got different hats. You know, we I, I, when I'm putting on my research hat when we're doing our studies, it's just very objective and just looking at the numbers and reporting it and not making any um, guesses on what it means. Just pre- presenting it, and and of course uh, I work as an RN and also, and um, I write. I'm also an uh, author. I just wrote a. Uh, a novel that's coming out in the fall, a past life novel, of course, on am obsessed with past lives. What else would I like?
0: What's the name of it? What's the working name of it, or is it already in the public stage? It,
1: it's with the editor now, and it'll go to the publisher in July, be out in the fall for the time of the retreat. It's called Quiet Water. It's about a woman who um, has these haunting past life dreams, and she's looking for the lover from her dreams assuming that he's reincarnated now. So if she's reincarnated, she feels like he must be also, and she's on this quest to find him, and how the twists and turns happen, and dealing with transformation and guilt and forgiveness um, and love. And wow. So I'm really excited about that. I started working well, on the next book, too. Oh, you did? Oh, really? You're on your third book. Can you give us a peek yeah. you know? Yeah, um, we're going to be working on a a sequel to Quiet Water, and then we will be writing a book. Our institute will be writing a book on the next study when we have enough data about that. The study two that came out for PLR Institute, which is going to be an interesting study, and I can't really reveal what we're looking at this time.
0: Right, I understand. Keep the information so that it can be more objectified. Again, folks, the book is called Healing the Present from the Past. Available, through, ugh, goodness, available from Amazon. Of course, it's also available through Heather Friedman Rivera's website, which is called Past Life Regression. I'm sorry, help me out, Heather.
1: <laughs> That's plrinstitute.org. If you want to P-L-R find out about Quiet Waters, the Quiet Waters website is heatherrivera.com. I they can also find
0: you on Facebook, too, yes? They can find you on Facebook? Yes,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook and um, LinkedIn and Twitter, but I don't really use Twitter too often. <laughs> haven't figured okay. everything out yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Quiet Water now has a Facebook um, page, and uh, so go check out Quiet Water and, and Dr. Heather Friedman Rivera. Uh, once again, explain to people how they can reach you Take the survey, talk to you, become part of this wonderful event in November.
1: Sure, just go to www.plrinstitute.org. All the information about the studies, the two studies, the videos, uh, how you tell your story, how to take the survey, all about the retreat is all on that site. You can also contact me by email, Heather at plrinstitute.org, or I'm giving my personal email address. It's honulife, it's H-O-N-U-L-I-F-E, at me.com. And then lastly, my phone number is 714-580-8803.
0: Folks, she is available, reachable, and she is hoping to touch your life. Um Dr. Heather, thank you so much for joining me on my show. Dr. Carol Francis, Make Life Happen. You're just full of more stories than we can squeeze into an hour.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a wonderful opportunity. You don't know how much I appreciate it, it's just letting people know about the work that we're doing. <laughs>
0: more more to come in the future, no question about it. Folks, thank you. Enjoy. Go try a past life progression. There's plenty of resources available for you. I hope this has proven to be one more. Take care. Until next time, Dr. Carol Francis signing off.